All right, guys. What's <laughs> up, everybody? Welcome back to our podcast. So I'm sure you're looking at this and you're very surprised. Maybe some of you are happy that you don't see Antonio. Some of you are mad. I don't know which side of the table that you're on. But here's the story. We screwed up. We made a mistake. Technology failed us. Uh, the audio on our podcast that we recorded last night, it went very long. We had lots of fun. Yeah. Did not come out well. Here's a little clip of what it is so you could prove that we did record a podcast and we did all show up. Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to the, the new, new IFTV, IFTV experience. experience. It's new, new too? Uh, we, we here uh, after, after a very stressful, stressful weekend. weekend. But yeah, uh, it is what it is. So Michael and I are here on this Tuesday morning. And we're gonna go over the podcast again. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do our own podcast. A little refresh. And if we like this, maybe we're just gonna get rid of my dad, Peter, and Antonio for good. I like that idea even better. To be it's kind of nice, right? It is. It's, it's more peaceful. quiet. <laughs> I feel pretty good. More quiet. So so Mike, uh, we're one third of the way through this Serie A season. Yeah. And there's lots of excitement, lots of uh, entertaining play. Uh, I know four points separate fourth place to ninth in Serie A. And at the top of the table, there's zero points. There's two teams that are both in first place. Mm-hmm. There's no other league in the world that has this excitement. No, I, I think we're biased. It's, it's, maybe a little bit biased, but Serie A, you never know what's going to happen. Back maybe and forth, a little bit matches. biased. This guy's dedicated his life to Serie A. He's got culture, culture, <laughs> maybe. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I follow this league for a reason just because it's, it's been so exciting. And the past, this this um, this season in particular, I think it's been the most exciting season the past decade. With all the With all the craziness that's the most that's exciting happening. that you've ever followed the Serie A? Oh, 100%. You personally. 100%. Because I just feel like I, ne- I don't know who's going to win the next match. And I don't know who's going to win the Scudetto. It's it's literally like a free-for-all, which is, which is so enticing, I think. Because you got into Serie A a little bit late. Yeah. So is this is this the moment that you feel like you're you're kind of going through a transition? You're like you're kind of reliving like the old days that that some more experience. And what's the thing that you well, love about the Serie A? So now uh, when I got into uh, Calcio, it was always Juve dominating. So now seeing uh, the tables turned, it was definitely very different for me to realize wow, another team other than Juve could win. And now I see Inter won last season, so it's not uh, so it's like. Wow, Napoli and Milan have a seven-point advantage. Maybe they can even win. It's just so many factors in, and I feel like that the unexpected of not knowing what's going to happen makes it even more exciting. But at the same time, besides the top of the table, hasn't yeah. it been different also for like the other teams? Like oh, yeah. for Mid-table me, that, too, for me, no that's problem. like the biggest surprise. Where I don't, I you know, I don't remember a culture like this, and maybe I'm just going off of like recency bias. Of course, like you, I remember recently, obviously Juve winning, but I don't remember like teams like Venezia doing these overturns against Vene- against Roma. Like I just don't remember those no, moments yeah. as much. And Verona, Sassuolo, Udine, they're just teams that the the smaller teams actually got better and are competing with the bigger dogs now. You usually have like one or two. Like it was always like when Udinese got to qualify yeah, for, exactly. for Champions League. Champions. One or two. But I feel like this year it's really like a dog fight. Yes, there are some bad teams like like a Cagliari who just like can't scrap a point. But I think that even them, they're going to end up turning things around. Um, but guys, if you want to be able to watch this league, uh, guys, Paramount Plus is your place. If you're in the United States, they are the exclusive provider in the U.S., for Serie A, Champions League, Europa League, Conference League. So many Mm -hmm. different leagues are available over there. Uh, They are also... Just the supporting us. They're they're sponsoring our entire podcast. They're a premium sponsor for this year, which is absolutely unbelievable. That at a lower level, at a cultural level, they want to engage with fans who just truly love the game and are hardcore supporters of the Serie A. So, guys, link in the description. Go download it if you have not already. Use our link. You get seven days free trial. And it helps support. If you want Paramount to stay with us, helps us keep going. 
then you got to use our link. So, guys, we appreciate that. Um, I have over here. I'm going to make a lot of the same jokes that I made yesterday. No, oh, I, I, can't, I can't just. I like, didn't like them the first time. Let's see if I like them the second time. That's not very nice. <laughs> Venezia sank Roma over here. They were up 1 0 in this match. Roma came back. They were winning 2 1. Yeah. Tammy. Shomurodo both got a goal and an assist on each of the goals. We thought that maybe they're going to go to 3-1, 4-1. We said, all right, Roma is in the driving. They're in control. Yeah. No way that this can happen. Venezia turned it around and won the game 3-2. It's the first time they beat Roma since 1999. Mm. And it's also the first time they scored three goals in nearly 20 years. Th this is not acceptable. Definitely not acceptable for Roma. And, I, and I'm really surprised by Mourinho too. Me and your dad actually kept saying... Uh, that Tammy's always secluded up front, so playing with a two-man uh, striking duo. Or I was actually excited. This was the earlier match. I was like, "Wow, I'm gonna see uh, Shomurodov and Tammy play up front." There was a lot of a lot of chances, but man, they couldn't score them, which kind of sucks. Also, because uh, I wanted to see that striking duo really perform good. They did perform good, but their defense was horrible. They played with a three-man back line for the first time this season, and I'm sure this is new to Mourinho too. He's new to this. But uh, it's unacceptable. Roma cannot be conceding three goals with Venezia. And the way they did it, uh, Mourinho has a lot, a lot of work to do. So the only thing I'm actually disappointed with with the podcast yesterday, my favorite part, and I don't say this often about Antonio, but Antonio studied in Venice. He lived there. It was his home for, mm -hmm. for a part of time, for, for a, part, a period of his yeah. life. Um, and, and I asked him, what does this mean to the people of Venezia? And he gave a really good answer that like, People like us that never lived in Venice, you don't truly get what, what's represented over there. Like, we could see it from afar, but it's not the same. So he lived there for a little while, and he he explained how, like, in Venice, they're not known for football. It's, he, he said, like, they're not a, a republic of football, which sounded funny when he when he said it. He said they were a republic, and then he went he went deep into the history of Venice. But meaning that the, the people over there, they don't expect it. They don't, they don't feel it every single day. When he was there, I think they were in third division. And he said, it's not even a place that you could you could kick a ball around too often uh, because the ball goes in the water. Uh, obviously, it's Antonio, so of course the ball's going to go <laughs> in the water. He's got, he's got no control. Uh, but he explained how being 15th place now in the Serie A and beating a team like Roma just means everything. It's something that these fans, no matter what happens at the end of the season, are going to cling on to. So we have to give credit, obviously, to Venezia over there and Gianluca Bustio, who actually... Uh, did a pretty good job, and I was pretty impressed with him. But um, Roma, with Mourinho, have lost almost half of their games. Five out of 12 matches have been lost. It's three more than Fonseca. One of the questions that came up was, is this the beginning of the end for Mourinho? And I'll be honest, I pushed back to this. I, 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 you know, I kind of argued and disagreed with everyone at the table, where I said, Roma are in a position... That coming into the season, nobody expected them to challenge for the Scudetto, let's be honest. We ex we said it would be a great thing if they qualified for Champions yeah, League. Top four. They're right on track for top four. Yes, things are not good. I'm not, I'm not giving a, an out for Mourinho. Yes, things need to be better. You don't want to lose to Venezia. But they're in exactly where we would have expected them to be in terms of the table. And on top of that, this Serie A is way more competitive than we expected. You're getting teams that fight. So going into the season, when we were all sitting here in July and August, we didn't expect teams to, you know, for it to be this tight. I said four points between fourth place and ninth. So those kind of factors, it's his first year. This is a long-term project. You're not getting Mourinho to come in and win right away. He, yeah. he, he, he doesn't like his team. He, he says that he only has 12, 13 players. I think everyone needs to be a little bit calm, 
Mourinho's an easy punching bag for many people because of the, the shenanigans and the things that he mm. says. And I'm not sticking up for those things. But what I'm saying is that if you look in terms of the table, we need to be able to judge May, not now. That's fair. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't like how Mourinho throws everyone under the bus but except himself. I feel like he has to step up and take more responsibility for himself. I do hope he proves a lot of uh, doubters like myself wrong and could get Roma to the top four. But to be honest, I, I can't see that happening. There's too much competition. I started laughing because I, I saw my the next joke that was... Uh, oh, okay. That let's was let's hear this uh, cheesy joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, let's, <laughs> let, let's, go, let's go on to Juve, where Cuadrado saves the day one more time. There we go. <laughs> that was good. It was funny. Nobody at the table understood it yesterday. Cheesy. <laughs> uh, Juve were risking yeah, to have it. actually their worst ever... Uh, record in the Serie A in the three-point error if they didn't win uh, despite like the chances that they had uh, there was a post from Federico Chiesa Morata was offsides 90% of the time that's just my stat that's not up the stat uh, and and the guy who came off the bench Juan Cuadrado against his former team in the 91st minute super sub gave them the win and saved the team uh, thoughts Mike I thought it was pretty uninspiring from Juve. Yeah, they had a couple of chances, but uh, for a lot of the parts, Fiorentina was actually pressing a lot. Uh, they didn't really let Juve really control the game. It was kind of a scrappy game. But ever since Milenkovic got sent off, I think the tables turned completely. And him getting the red card, I think he co he cost the match to Fiorentina because I think they would have held on to get a point out of that. Yeah, uh, and a lot of the table yesterday, you guys were really praising Fiorentina. Um, you know, for me, I felt like I didn't see many chances from Fiorentina, none that I really recount. Yes, in the beginning of the match, I think Samponada had one, uh, but Vlaovic was completely yeah. shut down Delic and pocketed Delic by Matias well. Delict, yeah, a guy who, one. please, this is the kid that, this is the reference point. Give him the minutes, let him play. He should be the starter in every single match for Juventus. When he's healthy, he needs to be playing. He did unbelievable against Vlahovic, who Vlahovic has 25 goals in 2021, compared to the Juventus attack, who has 23. That's Dybala, Morata, and Chiesa. Obviously, Ronaldo's not on that, who took a lot of penalty kicks. Mm -hmm. But still, this is the guy who scores a lot of goals. He's wanted by every club in Europe. So they shut, they like shut him down completely. I wasn't that impressed with Fiorentina. You know, I, I think they, they did great. They did, they did really good. Juve had a lot of chances. Morata was like inches away from scoring at one point. Point. Chiesa hit the post, um, and they still were not at their best. Uh, but Fiorentina did well to hang into it. But the thing that they keep doing, and I felt like it was coming the entire time, is towards the end of games, in the second half, they start to die off. They start to concede goals and concede opportunities, and you just kind of feel like that's going to happen. And, of course, it will come. It's Italiano's first year. You really can't expect too much. But it's just you know something that I'm noticing maybe is a little bit uh, too intense or too demanding, or maybe needs more players and, and a deeper bench, especially with five substitution rule. It changes the dynamic of a match, and I think that's one thing they need to do better. Uh, from Juve's side, though, I thought that McKenney, uh played after the league. He was the best player. Finally, uh, finding that role that, that really suits him, and this is what I've always said about McKenny. He's not a superstar player. He's not that world-class guy, and I think that he's unfairly criticized a lot of the time. What McKenney is good at is being that added player in a team. He's not the player that's going to make a midfield. On his own, he's not going to change a midfield. But if you pair him in the right system, the right formation, with the right balanced players by his side, he plays mm -hmm. his role because he knows what he needs to bring. He brings intensity. He brings energy. He'll fly into tackles. 
His decision-making can be better at times, but he's shown that he can improve in that aspect. It's his second year in the Serie A. His first one, he was the best midfielder on the team. He's shown the most potential out of all the guys. Mm -hmm. Ramsey, Rabiot, Bentancur, no. For me, the two starters that need to be secure are Locatelli and McKenney. They've shown the most. The third guy, then you could test out a little bit. You could play Artur. Mm -hmm. You could try Bentancur. Rabiot cannot play on the left side anymore. I think it's been very yeah, clear. Yeah. He's not that Mandzukic role that I feel like Allegri tries to play him. He gets but caught out a lot. I'm happy for McKenney. He needs to continue on this path. Ever since those disciplinary problems, as he said, even with the United States national team, he seems to have turned around, and it could be an added asset for Juventus. It's interesting for McKenney because he seemed... He he has that like roller coaster form in the beginning of the season. He did well, and then he dipped off, and now he looks like he's going back. I wonder if he's gonna hold that form, that stance, and not be that inconsistent kind of player. Because I feel like Juventus need a player that that delivers week in and week out. And you know, but he how gets, consistent has Juventus? How consistent has the whole team? No, hundred percent. But that's why they need someone reliable like that not, that can not, string string the passes, make something happen. Also, I, I feel like the expectations know? are a little bit unfair for that, him. No, you no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm not just saying. I'm not saying. I'm not putting all the pressure on him, but I'm saying they need someone. And would it be him to step up? Because no. we've been saying for a lot of players, and I feel like they really haven't delivered. It's like Dybala. Him. It's not him. It's not him. Well, Dybala's, Dybala's been improving week in, week but out. Roller coaster form. Yeah, roller coaster form. I agree. Unfortunately. Um, but. but yeah, the, the whole team. Like, that's that's my point. He's not the guy that I'm going to look at when the team plays bad and be like, why didn't you do something? No, because no, he's not that guy. Not. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's not I don't want to put everything. Yeah, I don't want to put everything on him, but I'm just saying. He just has to know his role. Because he did pop up in my hand. I was like, oh, he's doing good, but is he going to keep doing good? So we'll uh see. yeah. Anyway, then we, then we had we had some jokes about uh about dancing, and I think uh, oh, it was yeah. a dance Quadrado. argument between uh Antonio and Peter. Antonio and Peter, yeah, because uh, oh, Quadrado. You your, what was your dance? Quadrado your dance? did the Colombian. Uh, I don't know if it What's was. Col I said he did a Colombian dance, and Anto was like, "How do you know he's Colombian?" I was like, "Well, I don't think it's no, Greek." He said, How do you know it was a Colombian dance? Yeah, and then I was like, "Well, it's not Greek." <laughs> How was the dance? How would a Greek his dance his go? dance was like this. And it was dancing like it. And then Peter said something, and I was like, Peter, I think you can dance better than Antonio. Or but how would a Greek like dance that. go? Can you give us a little Greek well, dance? Well, I have to. There's a, there's there's a lot of, of There's a lot of form. <laughs> there's a lot of dances that Just, that just give do. us a little. Just do like the, the top half of it. It's very dynamic, the Greek dance. There's a lot of there's a lot of hopping and like uh, jumping and stuff. So, so yeah, there's like tricks to it. It's, it's not just it's, it's not just a regular like this. I feel like that's so. your go-to no matter what. Yeah, that, that's like your every nationality <laughs> dance. I, I, I saw you guys. Uh, I saw you guys at my sister's wedding. It was uh, it was a lot of the same thing between all three of you. Yeah, I guess. I think I, mine was better than Antonio. I don't, I don't know. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Derby de la Madonina. Okay. Uh, most exciting match, uh, as always, uh, in, in this. Um, it it had everything. It was the first time that they're actually fighting. Uh, feels like for the Scudetto between the two teams in at least a decade. Uh, the the intensity shocked me. They you could feel while watching the team that every player knew what was on their backs at this moment. They knew how important uh, getting a win was. It was, uh, there was controversy, there was drama, there were hard tackles. It did end in a tie. It ended in a 1-1 tie. Before we do talk about the match, though, um, there's a great uh, job by Paramount Plus and CBS. They made this Why We Love series, and here is the AC Milan one. The home of masters and masterpieces, industries and icons. In Milan, the devil is in the details. 
It didn't make it as a postcard. It's a city that wept for it. Defined by distinctions where old world romance fuses with modern grit. Calcio is its lifeblood, coursing through Milan's veins in red and blue. At the city's heart is the Duomo, where Madonna Nina stands. Miles away at the San Zero, an eternal struggle for her affections takes center stage. If you win her, you win the city. The Rosinari bear the Red Cross of Milan, go about it differently than their blue brethren. Success doesn't fall from the clouds. It comes through hard work and struggle, through devotion and commitment. For the ambitious red and black, it only happens to those who believe in it. I love these kind of clips. Um, you know, these, these voiceovers, they really yeah. portray what's special about Italy, about the city. They understand on a cultural level what's important. And I know how much work went into that. Oh, yeah. They went to Italy to speak to people and, and really find out what it meant. Dude, I, got, I was going to, I saw that video by the time, like five or 10 times. I was getting flashbacks and goosebumps because when we studied abroad in Milano, seeing the, mm. the amazing stuff, the scenery over there, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Showing the Madonnina. I feel like it really. It transpired, Mar one of Marco's favorite words, transpired. I don't like know what that word means. Does anyone? <laughs> the vision of the Derby. And th that this was only for Milan this week. In the coming weeks, uh, we also have ones for uh, other teams also. Paramount did a great job with, with stuff like that, highlighting uh, some of the top Serie A clubs in the coming weeks. But definitely stay tuned for those well, guys. I was going to mention that. I know I know Peter and my dad were like, why is there only yeah, Milan exactly. one? They were, they were the, mad. The rest are coming. I, <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. Um, so... Uh, you know, I felt like, uh, I think Peter and I were on the same page on this. Uh, you know, I felt like Inter deserves more uh, from the match. I thought that their chances early on in, in the game were, were really strong. They had more opportunities directly at goal uh, with Vidal, with uh, with Barella. I think his was the one that was saved off the line. Um, Lautaro needed to probably do a little bit more. But it always felt like, for me, uh, at least for the first, like, 65, 70 minutes, uh, it was more so Inter uh, in terms of open play chances. Milan's opportunities uh, were, were more so off set pieces, off mm -hmm. of specific moments. So I thought that they deserved more. But then Inter did not convert those chances. And guess what? In the last like 15 minutes, Milan was the team that almost won the match. And if the, anyone was going to win it, if that game kept going on, it was more so Milan because oh, yeah. Salamakers hit off the post. Kessie then had another opportunity. They were pushing forward. They got a second wind. Um, that's how that's how personally I felt. No, uh, Marco, I think I'm on the same page with you on this one. I think Inter definitely controlled the game, came out of this game roaring, scored the early goal uh, via Kessie uh, making a, a meal out of uh, out of his possession. And instead of passing the ball, he ended up fouling Hakan. Hakan scored that, but yes, they it kind of bit them in the bit them back in the ass since they couldn't convert those chances. I think they could have scored an extra two goals. Lautaro was completely invisible, especially uh, missing the penalty. I think that took him completely out of the game. He didn't know what, what was going on. Um, but they could not convert. And during the sh uh, live stream, your dad was saying, they're going to regret these chances. They're not. They're going to regret these chances if they're not going to score them. And surely enough, like you said, Milan almost won it at the end. But I do feel like it was more of Inter not being able to 
end the game and letting Milan back in, especially with the injuries that Inter had. Inzaghi had to make those substitutions, which really changed the dynamics well, of the game yeah, overall. That was, that was my pushback to Antonio because Antonio oh. did not agree at all. He thought that Milan were the much better side and that Milan deserved to win mm -hmm. um, and that if anyone was going to win, uh, it was them. My only pushback to that, I agree that towards the end, for sure, it was yeah, all yeah. Milan. Was Milan. The thing is, you know, I felt like it kind of became because once Barella came off, and Bastoni, who did both, did uh, Bastoni. Uh, Barella was not his best game, but you see his importance when he goes off the field. Bastoni had a fantastic match. Once those guys gave, came off, it gave the life towards uh, Milan for for their opportunities to be able to try to win the game. I felt like, and again, this is just my perspective. I know that it ended in a 1-1, and I think a 1-1, you know what? In the end, it balanced out, and it deserved to be a 1-1. Uh, I was very impressed with Tonali, by the way. He was fantastic. He was probably the he best was, player. He was, for me, yeah. after Tatarushanu, the best player for AC Milan. The, the thing that I would say, though, is it's the first time that I'm feeling back to my summer prediction of Inter will win the Scudetto. And I know it sounds weird because it was a 1-1, but when I see the depth of their team, and I see the style that they're trying to play in, I just feel like in Italy, they have the strongest team overall, the best players, the best group, um, and I know that, that you know, they're seven points off, and rightly so, Napoli and Milan are in first, it's just my prediction that by the time we come to May, I feel like this team is just going to get better mm. and and be the most solid team for the Scudetto. Again, just my, my feeling based off of what I saw. And to add to that point, Marco... They played so well, and it looked like Jeco and Lautaro barely did anything. Now, could you imagine they were actually on with how many chances they had already? They're two strikers up front. They didn't really, they were pretty quiet for that game, right? Yeah, uh, but at the end of the day, Milan, it was it was a weird match from both teams. Uh, you know, I love the midfield from both of these sides, but they kind of were going very direct, very, very towards goal. Brozovic was was really tied down, and, and Krunic they did a really good wide. job at, at yeah. marking him. So so you have to give credit to them. But also, AC Milan's back line did not look as solid as, as it once did, uh, as it did with uh, Theo Hernandez yeah. in. So I think that all these things, they played a part into in determining how the match went. Uh, of course, let's talk about... This is the fun part. Uh, we were talking about the penalty kick and uh, oh, and, and all the controversy. Um, we had shown... We actually watched live the, the penalty replay uh, back uh, so that we could go hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, for me, the first penalty with Kessie. Yes, uh, Chahanolu, he does make a touch. He goes to, to grab the ball on Kessie. There is contact on Kessie. And then Kessie's leg is really the one that pulls them both down, uh, which is more strong of contact. I felt like Chahanolu, his 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 leg is, yes, it's contact, but he's kind of planting his foot and getting his footing, and it's not enough for it to have been a foul on him. And I know you'll say, like, his hands are there. Those are kind of natural movements of the game. And I feel score. like Kessie's is actually the one that he puts his foot in and he draws the foul. And also, Kessie was, I don't know what he was doing, going backwards to goal, Maybe he thinks he's too strong at times yeah, and he would be able to hold off everyone. Smart. It was not smart from him. For me, it was a penalty. You, I know you said it was a penalty. Everybody sort of agreed except Antonio. He said it was not a penalty. Uh, then we looked at the second uh, penalty kick, uh, which for me was even more clear. Balotore, oh. maybe. We watched it so many times. Maybe he got a little touch to it. It's not it's enough. Hard to tell. Then his leg rises up, and that's really what hits Darmian yeah. and takes him down. For me, the second penalty was even more clear than the first one. It was it was Balotore having his foot planted and then picking up his studs again. 
and making the foul on Darmian. He had no clue. Uh, Balotelli didn't know what planet he, we were on. Darmian turned him inside out because yeah. he turned like a 360 yeah. going back to the thing and he just lunged hoping not, to get the not ball. A, you know, even it if he did bad. get the ball, it's not enough contact to, to have been uh, not a penalty. Antonio disagreed with us. He was the only one who pushed back <laughs> saying that that both. He said this one was even more clear. As you guys would have guessed uh, yourselves, right? Uh, we, we Then we talked about uh, Chahanolu who on the first penalty stepped up oh, yeah. and took the ball from Lautaro Said, I feel it, scored against his former team, and then did even a celebration, and then even blew kisses towards the Inter fans. Um, so, Chaonolu, you know, we, we spoke about the strength that, I mean, it took some cajones yeah. to step up and want to take that penalty. But I feel like, and I push back on this, because I know we disagree on on if you should celebrate a penalty, if you should, if you should not. So, and I like Antonio's... Uh, perspective on this. So Antonio said, you know, if you want to slide, you want to jump with your 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 fans, you want to hug Jekyll, you want to do this, yeah. okay, that's one thing. You could celebrate a goal. He goes, but antagonizing the Milan fans who were with you for so long doesn't it, it, it leaves an even more bitter yeah. taste in, into that's the true. mouth, which I understand and I get it. The only thing is if I put myself in Chanholu's shoes, he has probably been receiving abuse for the past months. On social media, from Milan fans, from from Tifosi, from all over there, calling him a traitor, a snake, which rightfully, because you know, you went from one team in Milan to the other. Of course, you're gonna get hate. So I could put my perspective in his shoes to wanna prove to them, like, hey, I can still do this. I'm gonna shove it in your face. So he was booed all match. So I kind of get his perspective too. And at the end of the day, my my whole takeaway is Chanolu is not a special player. He's not a special enough player in Milan's history to get mad about. Like I wouldn't even give him I wouldn't even give him like the satisfaction to be like we are bothered by by you doing that. <laughs> it's not like Kaká who went to Real Madrid. Imagine yeah. he came back scored against Milan and then did that. That I would say, you know what? I'm mad. That was a legend. That's a great player. Chanolu's not that player. He's a good player. He played a really good match. Yes, but he's not that unique guy that I personally get would get mad at. But I you, like leaving the yeah. special moments for the special players. That's fair. But you can de definitely tell Hakan was definitely hurt by when he definitely moved. That's why, which is why he interrogated the Milan fans. He didn't should, just do that for no reason. Should he have taken the second penalty? Because then Lautaro's the one who missed. No, because he got the favor by Lautaro giving it to him, who is the designated penalty taker. But should taker. Lautaro have been like, you know what, you're feeling good right now. You're having a great game. I'm not. You should take the penalty. Maybe. But then by by the book, he's still supposed to take yeah, So he's not going to let two of them I know, I know. go his way. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I don't blame uh, Lautaro. It was a great penalty. But yeah, it wasn't, low, a, yeah, driven. It wasn't a bad penalty. It was just a better Tatarushanu save. As, as a kid, they say hit it low and hard. It wasn't bad. It, it wasn't was a bad penalty at all. Tatarushanu just did honestly a fantastic job at that. Uh, guys, let's talk about Atalanta before before we wrap up over here. Uh, Atalanta, you know, we spoke so much about if they lost their magic. They're they're in fourth place. They got a two one against Cagliari. Zapata scored in his last four matches. Mm -hmm. uh, their last Serie A game, they tied late uh, to Lazio with Derun, our boy. And then, unfortunately, the same thing happened to them in Champions League, but still a tie against Manchester United uh, is a positive result. Atalanta, are they the biggest challenge to? Are they the biggest threat to get top four? The fourth spot. I th I counted them out, and I'm disappointed in myself for counting them out. Cause I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> you should be because I for many not I, just this. I was rooting for Atalanta the past few seasons. I was so I was on the hype train. I was on the Atalanta hype train, and now this season, just because they had a few injuries, they still proved me wrong. They had they have both their wing backs out. Gosens, Hatebor. They're playing their own in the center back position. Because um, they don't have enough healthy players. And they're still 
and they're still playing like the team that they did in the past few seasons. Mm-hmm. I was just basing them off a couple of games, which I shouldn't have done. Atalanta still look great, and when the players, when they have a full squad, I think they're going to be the team to be for that fourth uh, position. Fourth, yeah. 100%. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I think it's the biggest the the biggest threat. Uh, let's talk about uh, the other team in first place. Uh, Napoli Verona ended one one. Uh, fantastic uh, match where, of course, Giovanni Simeone opened the scoring. He's got seven goals in his last four, nine of the Serie A season, which just goes to prove you the old saying I was taught as a kid, Mike, that confidence makes strikers. Nice. This is what seven goals in the last three, not last four. four, three, last four. Are you sure? Yeah, he scored down. one. Two, the one before, and four, the one before. Just check it on the side, but I'm okay. like 90% positive that it was four because I thought oh, it was three, okay. and then and then I checked, and I could be wrong. Okay. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, confidence is so important for a striker, and Giovanni Simeone is exactly showing that. Uh, Di Lorenzo ended up scoring the 1-1 for Napoli to bring them back into the match. It sort of felt like, to me, Napoli, they're, they're missing a lot of chances. You know, they're, they're creating a lot, but they're not able to always convert them. And it, it is a little bit worrying, of a sign that you're not able to. They had everything on their on their plate because they played the earlier match. They knew they could put pressure on AC Milan if they won this. But at the same time, you're not going to win every match. Like, I've seen people be a little, a little bit negative. This is why Napoli's not going to win the league. You're not winning every match, and Verona is in a great moment. I think that there's no other team that's picked up as— I think no other team that scored more goals than Verona since Bayern Munich. You're well, right, you're right. It was four, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was one game slipped in there that he didn't yeah, score. Udine, Udine. Udine. I you forgot say, about that. I, dude, Nicole. I forgot too, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I had double-checked wow. it. So you're not going to win all the games. It's normal. Verona's in a great moment. I think, like I was just saying, I think only Bayern Munich have outscored them in, in Europe since Tudor has joined. He's done a fantastic job. The team is sacrificing for themselves, and it's normal. It's okay to to drop these kind of points. I don't know. I was a little—I want Napoli to win this game, and I think they knew in the back of their minds that— Milan could very well drop points, which they did, and they knew that they had the chance to be in the first spot by themselves, and they played before the derby, so I don't know, I don't know if they just drop points because Verona were in form, I don't want to take anything from Verona, they've been playing amazing, but I feel like Napoli should have done, even though they didn't have Koulibaly, I feel like they should have done better to secure the points, knowing they could have been on top by themselves. I'm disappointed. I don't know if it's a mentality mentality thing. I don't know if it was Verona there or it was just a it was just a tough match for them. I see. I push back. I too hope when, it's not a mentality. You guys are talking thing. about mentality because I don't think it's fair to say that a team that before this won 10 out of their 11 games, it's like the, one of the best in their history. Uh-huh. You know, I don't think it's fair to say mentality because they've shown it for so long. It's normal to not... you. you but it's beginning if, of the season. You have nothing drop, to prove. But if you just drop one game against a really informed team, you can't say it's mentality. But it's those, not fair to say I that. know, but those games, it was the beginning. It's okay if you lose. It's still the beginning. But now they had to play for something in terms of going in the first place and they kind of crumbled. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, The first maybe. few games, you're just playing just to play. Whatever happens, happens. So there was that much Maybe. pressure. I, I disagree. But I, I hope I'm wrong. I like disagree. I said, I hope it's not mentality. I, I disagree. I, I think that even uh, De Laurentiis, I was listening to his interview, he is absolutely obsessed with Spalletti. He even said that if uh, our fans are the 12th man, then Spalletti's the 13th. And he says he's loved his humbleness because as a coach who comes in, uh, who's had great success everywhere, mm-hmm. he hasn't said like, I'm doing it this way. He saw the team. He saw how deep the team can be. And he says, I'm going to make everybody play. Um, and I think, again, it's normal against a very informed Verona t- side. Of course, Napoli needs work. And like I said, I think it's more so in the finishing of the chances 
than it really is anything else. The other team, yeah. uh, we, we mentioned Roma, we mentioned Juventus, we mentioned Atalanta that's fighting for the top four, is Lazio, who won 3-0 against Salernitana. I will say, when Lazio's on their day, they are, for me, the best team to watch in the Serie A. I absolutely just love watching Pedro, how he scored in that second goal. Ciro Immobile, nonstop, the all-time goal scorer of Lazio. And Felipe Anderson, who's rejuvenated since coming to the Premier League. When they play like that, under Sadri, they are brilliant to watch. And finally, it feels like they kind of had that midfield problem sorted out. Sadri had said that Savic and Luis Alberto can't play together. Well, guess what? The last three games, they have played together. It seems like he's worked more on the defensive stage from Luis Alberto. He wanted him to do a little bit more work in that side. And maybe pairing him with Cataldi, who's been the guy instead of Lucas Leiva, has helped bring that balance that Sadi was kind of urging for. Um, I feel like I have a bitter taste in my mouth for Lazio because I feel like I've been supporting them a couple seasons. I wanted them to supporting go to top. everybody. You literally said that about everything. No, yeah, I know. But I just feel like I support them Except more than to. everyone else. And I feel like they proved me wrong and not making top four. And that was the main thing that they couldn't do was be consistent. Yeah, they got 3-0 win here. But I don't know if they're going to continue that. That midfield does sh only shows up when they want to. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, they beat 3-0 Salernitana. We had, um, there was a lot of doubts. they done it against the bigger teams because they do it against the smaller teams. I want to see a, a few more three, four games like this and see how they do before I really give my um, analysis on them. But that's why say. it's kind of unfair, in my opinion. It's kind of unfair to say that, you know, that they need to show it uh, or just Salernitana, which is something that everybody kept echoing yesterday. It's because Lazio is one of the only teams that's been showing up against the big sides and we kept holding it over them that they're not showing up against the small times. So now they beat Salernitana 3-0 and we're still criticizing them. I'm still going to wait. I, I gave them two seasons, man. They, they proved me wrong. So I, I give me a couple it's more a year, a couple Michael. more games. It's a new year. So we'll see. Uh, last topics uh, before we, we go out. Italy against Switzerland is this Friday. We're not going to have Zaniolo, Pellegrini. Barella, Barella is also in risk. Uh, Bonucci and Chiellini, there were some doubts. Mancini said that we're going to see how they train mm -hmm. uh, and that for right now they are okay. We do risk finishing in second place. We're playing against the Switzerland that we know very well. We beat them 3-0 in the Euros. But as the Swiss are saying, it's a different team. That was not the right Switzerland. They went on to knock France out of the Euros and they have a vengeance to try to come after us. I do feel a little bit scared. We are tied on points uh, with 14, I believe it is. Uh, we need to go out there and win. I don't want any calculations. I know Peter was asking, oh, yeah. what happens if we tie? What is goal different? No, no, no. You have to go out there and you have to beat Switzerland. You have to win this match. I don't care about who we're missing. I don't care about the guys that are that are not there. We got Tonali who's just coming into the midfield. We got Calabria. We got Cataldi. We got there's so many young players who are not Pobega. There's so many young players who are gonna be called up into this match. Well, yes, it's a good opportunity to see them play. They need to perform, and we have enough yeah. quality on the team to beat him. No, 100%. But I don't think Switzerland, it's not, it's not going to be the same match like it is in the Euros. I think Switzerland has a lot more to prove, showing that they're this, this not the same team. And almost, they're going to want some revenge. Well, and yeah. you, they're tied on points, so a win here for Switzerland, or if they get something here... We're just fighting time, for though. yeah, We're that's true. They're fighting for top spot too, so I definitely think uh, that Zurich going to be fighting uh, tooth and nail for this one. No, we have to. We, we have a lot of the the same guys over there though. Still at the same time, and 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 I wanna I wanna see a nice big win. 
let them be quiet once again because again I heard this also too before the game uh, against Switzerland. Oh, this is the game that that Italy's gonna slip up on, right? And then guess what? We won 3-0. So I want to do the same thing again. The only thing is I just have the nightmares. There's still a little piece of Marco in the back. I know we won the Euros. I know we've done great. We have the longest international uh, on being streak 37. But there's still this little chip in my head that's thinking, I remember I was there in Sweden when we finished second in our World Cup qualifying group. And then we had to play Sweden and we got knocked out of the World Cup. So I don't feel comfortable yet. Different coach. I, I can't. I know. I know. There's still this pessimistic side of me that's got to balance myself out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been three World Cups. It's been since 2006 we haven't had a competitive uh, Italy in the World Cup. Please, guys, just let's win this match. Let's win two, two wins, and we're in. Even even one win and then a tie. As long as you beat Switzerland, that's the most important yeah. thing. Beat Switzerland, and exactly. we'll be good to go. Uh, Shashenko is back into the league. Welcome back to him. He takes over at Genoa for Ballardini. I was doing a little bit of research, and I saw the matches that he has to play. Until 2022, until the new year, Roma, Udinese, Milan, Juventus, Sampdoria, which is a derby, Lazio, and Atalanta. Shashenko, I'm wishing you very bro. lots of luck. Don't unpack your suitcase just nah. yet. <laughs> he's got, you know what I well, did? That's a, such a tough schedule. He's got, Tassotti is his uh, assistant coach. Oh, he was okay. assistant coach of uh, Ancelotti, of Allegri. Very iconic uh, assistant. They definitely, which uh, is good. I'm sure they know each other pretty well. I think they work too, together right? at, Milan, at uh, right? Ukraine. It was Ukraine? They, I think he was still his assistant at Ukraine. Oh, wow. Okay. I only realized now because I obviously like I was doing my research on Shoshenko. Uh nice. Guys, that's it. That is our podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure you go download Paramount+. Plus. I'm sorry that it's like this, but let us know. Maybe we could alternate it and do this sometimes. It's kind of easy because we don't have to like call everybody oh, and get yeah. them at the same time. Do it. <laughs> but I don't have the same satisfaction of beating all of you guys at football. That, that's only the, It's like a day, daycare trying to have them here for the pot. Get everyone sure. to sit on the table is a task. Yeah. Is such a task getting everyone very to sit down. Yesterday, oh yesterday, my God, it was crazy. everyone was getting up. Antonio would want a quinotto. Then he wanted. Antonio's wanted phone went off fifteen times. Antonio's <laughs> phone went off five times during the show. My, my dad, my dad, my dad didn't know that we started the podcast and said, "Wait, can we redo it?" After we did a fun intro, he was looking at his your phone. Da- your dad was on the phone for like one second. Then he started playing a video. He started playing the video of you not being able to speak English. He thought oh, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. It was, yeah, a, yeah. it was a disaster. Yeah, then something fell in the back that oh, we went yeah. to go check. It was a disaster. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, guys, as always, thank you for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao, Ciao guys. guys. Like and subscribe.